today we are so privileged and honored to have Diego. Diego, I don't even know your last name, bro. I've been introducing you. What? Fuller. That's right. I did know that. Diego Fuller and his wife, Asia, is with us. They, Angie met them at a foster care event in uh, Texas, somewhere. It doesn't matter. Met, her some, met him somewhere, and he was speaking. And we, Clover Hill has a real heart for the foster care community. We, we feel like God's given us everything we need that no kid in Chesterfield County should not have permanency, should not have a, a forever family. And that, that's our dream. That's our goal. That's what God's put in our hearts is to, is to fulfill that. And, and, and Diego grew up in foster care. He went into foster care when he was eight years old. And, and uh, everything that he's learned, his story, you're going to hear about it this morning. But he has a heart. This is why we're kind of knit together. His heart, his desire is not a kid in the, in the United States does not have a forever or a permanent home. You know what the Bible says, that real religion, true faith, is to care after widows and orphans in their distress. It's a mandate by God. It, it's, really, it's really not an option. Well, that's for other people. No, 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 no. The Bible says it's not an option. When you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. So I want you to give Diego Fuller a warm Clover Hill welcome as he comes to share his story in God's word. Bless you, man. One more time. Yes, Clover Hill, how y'all doing today? Y'all doing all right? That's kind of, I don't know if that was a yeah or was that just a continuing clap because he passed the walked off. But Clover Hill, how you doing today? There we go. Y'all sound beautiful right now. And so, man, I'm super excited to be here. My wife is, I think, at the other campus right now selling some shirts. But if she was here. I will let her know how awesome she is, how beautiful she is, how gorgeous she is. And she is all that in a bag of chips, a bag of Doritos, because I like Doritos, favorite chips. And so she's everything. She keeps us going. I'm the break in the family. She's the gas. So I'll be trying to stop stuff. She'll be like, no, Diego, we gone. Zoom. And so uh, that's my baby. So shout out to my beautiful wife, which you'll see her in a minute. She's like, she looks like an angel, guys. She's like so gorgeous. That's my baby right there. That's my girl. So sorry, guys. I'm just having a moment up here. So just, just forgive me. Don't, don't mind me. And so uh, I just know God blessed me with something, so I'm going to glorify it. Is that all right? So anyways, guys, but anyways, hey, my name is Diego Fuller from Dallas, Texas. Um, super excited. Flew in late last night. Um, we got here. It was a great flight, a little bumpy landing. And so um, it was hot when I left. When I got here, it was feeling good. I was like, praise the Lord. I felt like I was in Hawaii for a second, you know. But then I woke up, got a little wetness on the grounds, rain. Oh, Jesus, rain again. And so, uh, guys, but I'm super excited, man, to, to be here, man. God has blessed me to be able to travel all around the, all around the country, man, and share my testimony, share my music, uh, do a lot of different things for um, the orphan care ministry. Um, I've, I'm a, a hip-hop artist, gospel hip-hop artist. I've been on the billboards. Uh, my latest album I just released, I made it on the billboards. I'm not even signed, but God just decided, Diego, I like you, so I'm going to get you on the billboard. So uh, people around the country have been buying my music crazy. And I'm just like, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> so um, been on the billboards, man. And God has done a lot of different things. Man, me and my wife, we raised tens of thousands of dollars every single year to give um, back to orphan, to give, give back to foster kids um, to, for, like, Christmas presents and birthday presents. We do a lot of different things. And uh, God has really blessed us, man. And so um, and I'm now a youth pastor um, at, a, at a local church in, in Texas. And it's just like, God is, like, super, super good. But it wasn't all peaches and cream. It wasn't all good. Uh, my whole life was kind of a struggle. I grew up without my mom, and I grew up without my dad in my life. My dad went to jail when I was three years old. Uh, he went to jail for life. And my mom, she went to jail when I was four. And she was in and out of jail, in and out of jail. And matter of fact, she got out about a year and a half ago. 
and she went back just a little bit ago. And I'll be thinking to myself, Mama, you going to stay out of jail? You're too grown for this. And so, <laughs> they said, y'all got to laugh at me today. So, uh, <laughs> that, not laugh now. That was a fake laugh. It's just when I say stuff, just laugh. Like, laugh now. Okay, cool. All right. So, <laughs> she was, like, cracking up over there. So, anyways, guys, and so, um, but it wasn't all peachy green. I didn't have mom and dad growing up, and I was the baby of the family, and I had an older brother a couple years older than me. Then I had a sister that was a couple years older than him, and then I had a, a, another older sister who was eight years exactly older than older than me and growing up without my mom and dad and we was actually staying with my grandfather my grandfather he got sick and he was passing away of cancer and they moved him into um um, into a hospital he was there for a while and so um then we moved into this thing called a duplex my sister was 16 she got us a duplex now in the first two services a couple people didn't know what a duplex is i'm assuming we in the third service y'all know what a duplex is right y'all cool any nose in here Look, somebody said, oh, I'm scared to say it. So since you're scared to say it, I'm going to show you what a duplex is. It's just one big old house, right? It got a wall divided right down the middle. And on one side is you, and on one side is your neighbors. There might be some ugly neighbors, some pretty neighbors, some fat neighbors, skinny neighbors. But they're your neighbors. Somebody say neighbors. They're your neighbors. But in this case, man, we had some nosy neighbors. Somebody say nosy. Man, these neighbors were so nosy. They put their ear, put their ear to the thing and just listen. You know, you can hear it. The walls were so thin. You can hear when they go. Get away from here! You know, just messing with people. And so, but anyways, we had some nosy neighbors. And so my sister, when we were standing there, she was caring for us, and she would call me into her room, and she would make me do certain things to her. She would do things to me. And one day, guys, it was just going on for so long, I got so fed up with it. I was finished with it. I was done. I went to school, and I told my teacher what was going on. And when I told her, a few days later, CPS showed up at the door. Now, my sister, she told me, she said, if you ever tell anybody what's going on up in this place, up in here, she said, this is going to happen to you. That's going to happen to you. A lot of things, people going to take you. I'm going to do this to you. So she put a lot of fear into my heart. I was scared. I was scared of my sister. I was scared. Somebody say scared. That was me. I was scared. I was scared. So she said, if you ever say anything, this is what's going to happen to you. She labeled it all out to me. So every time I thought about telling somebody, I thought about the whole list of things that could happen to me. But I told my teacher. And I remember seeing a black car show up. Four white people, four white people jumped out. I was scared. Okay, I didn't know what was going to happen. She put a lot of fear to me, and I was scared of white people. I ain't scared no more. My best friend white, okay? You got to worry. I'm good up here now. So, <laughs> okay, I'm a little crazy, guys. I'm from Texas, okay? So, <laughs> and so, um, but anyway, so these dudes, they, 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 they showed up, and they, they got out the car. I looked out the window. And I ran to the back door, and I went all the way around to the, to the neighbors, the nosy neighbors. Somebody say, nosy neighbors. I was boom, 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 knocking on the nosy neighbor's door. Like, y'all know what's going on anyway, but can I, use, can I use your phone or whatever? And so they let me use the phone. I called my grandmother. I told my grandmother what was going on. And so um, my grandma, we had four different, I mean, me, my brothers and sisters, we had different dads. I mean, none of us had the same dad, okay? My mom was getting it. And so, <laughs> I keep it real, guys, all right? <laughs> she was getting it, Lord. <laughs> and so, <laughs> all right, bring it back, Diego. Bring it back. <laughs> and so, uh, anyways, though, so I called my grandmother. My grandmother came. And so, um, what was going on in the house, the CPS, they ended up taking my, my brother, my sister, 
And then something else happened to my older sister. She went off somewhere else. Y'all know, jail. And then uh, for me, I went in, we, went, we all went into the foster care system, but they worked it out where I was able to go stay with my grandmother. So I was living with my grandmother. But living with my grandmother, guys, I mean, growing up without mom, growing up without dad in my life, uh, being molested by my sister, my grandpa passed away, grandpa, my, my mom's eye, grandpa passed away of cancer. Man, my life was just dysfunctional. I was messed up. It was dysfunctional. And I didn't know what to do. Here I am, this eight-year-old kid, staring at my grandmother. I was staying with her for a long time. And then when I got to about, yeah, I didn't say that, I said that part. But anyways, I was just acting out. I was, been there for, I was there for a while. I was acting out, really mad, really upset. I didn't know what to do. You know, everybody I felt like has let me down. And so one day I came home from school, and I got off the bus, and there were some people at the house. And I remember my grandmother and my grandpa, they was there. And so I walked in. All of my bags was packed on the ground. And I asked my grandmother. I was like, Grandma? She was like, yes, baby. You know, and I still don't know why she said, yes, baby, like that. And I, I guess it's because she, was, she already knew what she was about to tell me. Some stuff was about to go on or whatever. But I still have that, that, that voice in my head. I can still remember that voice, even though it was years ago. If anybody ever said something to you, but you can still remember how they said it. And that's how it was. You know, and she was like, yes, baby. Still remember the voice. And I was like, why are my bags packed on the ground? And she said, Diego, honestly, son, she said, man, you're just too hard for us to handle. You're just too hard for us to handle, man. You're just, you're just bad, son. Somebody say bad. That was me. She said, you're just too hard for us to handle. So she grabbed my bags. And she got my bags and she, she put them in the van. We drove down to Brownwood, Texas, 15 miles from where she was living. And we pulled up at the CPS office, and there was this dude standing there, and they dropped me off. She dropped me off with this guy that I had no idea who he was. He was standing there. Got my bags out, put my bags down by his feet, and I'm standing there. And I'm like, this is not about to happen. Now, I remember her driving off, and y'all, my heart was breaking. I'm sitting there, I'm crying. I didn't want this woman to leave because the only person I thought that loved me was grandma. I know, I know grandma going to do me right. Everybody else has failed me. Everybody else has let me down. Nobody else was there for me. But I know my grandmother, she's been here for me for, for a long time. So I know she's still here for me. I know she still got me. That's what I'm thinking. And so I still remember the, the van driving off and we stayed down a dusty road. So when you got a car that's really dusty, you stay down the dusty road. What do you, what do you write on the car with your finger? Somebody said dirty. That's the first one I heard. Wash me. <laughs> so are dirty, yeah. Dirty's cool. But it's wash me. So I remember a week prior to actually being dropped off at the CPS office, I wrote wash me on the back. And so I remember watching the van drive off, and I could still see the words wash me. I still got that image in my head. Like right now, I still got the image. I remember that image. And I remember it just driving off. And I wanted to cuss her out so bad because I was so mad. And I, went, I, was, I probably would have sounded horrible cussing. I wasn't good at cussing. I didn't cuss. I was so bad, but I wasn't a cusser. You know? And so I told the second sir, I was like, man, I never knew I was that bad, but I wasn't a cusser. That's crazy. But anyways, they was driving off. And I, what I said, I was like, that's why your van dirty. That was my cuss word. That's why your van dirty. <laughs> Watch your van. I didn't know what else to say. I was mad. I wanted, to hurt. I wanted, them, I wanted them to hurt, but that's the only thing I could say. You know what I said, whatever. But anyways, um. Long story short, I'm standing there with this guy, man, and I don't know who this dude is. So they make a couple calls to a couple shelters because when you go, uh, when somebody, I guess, lose their placement, they don't have nobody, they don't have nowhere to go, you know, they put them in a the sh- the shelter until they can find somewhere for them to go. 
So I went into a, a shelter for about a day, I think. Then I went to another shelter for a few days, then another shelter for like a week or so. And nobody, they couldn't find, I was kept going from shelter to shelter, you know. But I couldn't find nowhere to go. Nobody wanted to take me on. Nobody wanted me. They looked at my page. They was like, this dude Diego, that boy just too bad. Nobody wanted to put up with me. They couldn't find no, they couldn't find no home for me to go to. Like, y'all get a choice of who y'all want? Like I'm a dog or something? Nobody wanted me. So I stayed in this shelter for about eight months. And this, um, when I came into the shelter, I was, this shelter, I was so mad. I was so hurt, guys, that anytime anybody ever said anything to me, all I wanted to do was fight. I'd be like, get away, boom. I didn't fight like that. But that's how I was doing. Anytime somebody say something to me, I would swing. Anytime somebody look at me crazy, I wanted to fight. I was mad. I was mad on the inside, and I wanted every young man that I hurt like I was hurting. I was hurting on the inside, and I was messed up, and I wanted people to feel my pain. You ever heard the saying, hurt people hurt people? So true. Even if they don't mean it, but I was trying to mean for, to hurt them. There was this guy there by the name of Bill Spiller. He played for the San Diego Chargers. He was a cool dude. And uh, he was a staff there. And he was a mentor to us. Now, football was the only thing that really got my attention. I was a beast at football. Monster. Awesome. At least that's what I think. <laughs> so I was pretty cool at football. You know, everybody else probably say I was trash, garbage. But to me and myself, you know, I was pretty good, you know. So, uh, anyways, he played, um, he played for the San Diego Chargers. And, of course, you know, that's a young kid. You know, you sitting there with an NFL player. You think you, like, oh, my God, like NFL player. Can I borrow a dollar? You know? And so, um, but anyways, we would have conversations about football. Emmitt Smith and a lot of different things, man. We would just always talk about football players. And one day we was having a conversation. And as we was talking, he slipped it in there. And he was like, Diego, I just, <laughs> just want to let you know I love you. But it caught me off guard. It, kind of, it caught me off guard. So the next day, he, he said it again. I didn't respond to him or anything. I didn't say I love you back because no, I didn't love him. But he, was, he kept saying it for a long time. And one day, guys, I got fed up. I said, bro, Mr. Bill, listen. I said, don't sit here and tell me that you love me. You don't, don't, you don't got to tell me. Don't tell me that you love me to get me to do stuff for you or anything to make me feel a certain way. Don't tell me that you love me. Because love to me, Mr. Bill, said love to me is hurt. Love to me is abuse. Love to me is being neglected. Love to me is being molested. Love to me is pain. It's hurt. Everybody that has said, Diego, I love you, has failed me, has done me wrong. So don't tell me that you love me because love to me is the enemy, Mr. Bill. Don't tell me that you love me. The next day, he come in. Guess what he said? Diego, I love you. I was, oh, he, he, but I couldn't fight him. I was mad. Don't tell me that. They made me more mad. I, you know, you're a big guy. I'm looking at him. Like, Man, you look at little. I'm little. i get you in 10 years. But he would tell me that every single day. And it was planting a seed. And I guess he was watering that boy. He was watering the seed because it done something to me. I stopped fighting. I stopped doing a lot of different things in there. But I was still messed up. I was still mad. Still had some anger issues. But I get a call from my caseworker, and they was like, hey, Diego, we found a place for you to go. I said, okay, well, where, where I'm going? It's like, well, Bishop Aaron Blake, he has your biological brother. He has your biological brother, and we want to send you to be with your brother. 
and Bishop Aaron Blake is going to take you in. I'm like, okay, send me. Let's go. Come on. I, I, I was ready. You know, so we got all our bags packed the next day or two. Um, we showed up at his house. I remember getting in my, I mean, getting out of my caseworker's car. And I walked up to his, uh, walked up the sidewalk, walked up his steps. And then when I got to the steps, he stopped me at the door. I mean, he stopped me at the bottom of the steps, kind of middle of the steps. And then he told me, he said, Diego, look, I want you to understand, when you come up into my house, when you come up in here, you need to lose any foster care mentality that you have. He said, when you come up in here, you're no longer a foster child, Diego. He said, everything that belongs to me, son, it belongs to you. What's mine is what's yours. Everything that belongs to me belongs to you. And I guess the sun was shining really hard that day, Pastor. The sun was shining because it was from the behind me. And he had a watch on. He was facing the sun. And the sun was hitting the watch that was hitting my eye. So to me, it looked like he had some bling on his wrist. So I'm like, you know, so I'm looking at it. Somebody say bling. So I'm looking like he got some bling on his wrist. It's like, wow, he got a nice watch. And then to the left side of his house, he had some nice cars over there. Like, wow, I got some nice cars and everything. I'm like, praise the Lord. In the house I'm standing at, I'm standing on the steps. I'm looking up at this house and to the right and to the left. And I'm like, so I asked him the question again. I said, Mr. 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 Bishop Aaron Blake or Mr. Aaron Blake. I said, you telling me everything that belongs to you belongs to me. Now, in my mind, I just played it out to watch the cars in the house. That's how I'm looking at it. He got some money. That's what I'm thinking. I ain't thinking about everything else. I'm thinking about the watch, cars, and house, and money. You know, I'm a young kid. You know, so I'm saying, you telling me everything that belongs to you belongs to me. Yes, son, it belongs to you. I'm going crazy. Like, you just don't tell no kid that, that you've never really met. I'm about to come into your life, and you're telling me all of this is mine. So we did the typical things that kids do. Y'all want to hear some some of those things? All right. So somebody say, what you do, Diego? Talk back to me. I ain't going to sell you. Say, what you do, Diego? So we did the typical things kids do. Some of y'all kids did some of the same things. Notice I said some. So we, 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 we talked back. You ever had some kids talk back? Yeah, see, the same thing. We talked back, and we, we tried to we stole money from them. I don't know if you had kids do that. She liked you. <laughs> we, you know, and we did typical things. We ran away. We stuck people in the house. We snuck out of the house. We did a lot of different things to this man. We was trying to break him because he said, Diego, I love you. When he said that we was engrafted into his family, he said, Diego, we lo- I love you, so I'm going to treat you like you're my biological child. And now I told y'all what love to me was abuse. Love to me was neglect. Love to me was hurt and pain. Love to me was the enemy. So if he's telling me this, I'm looking at him like he's the enemy. So he told me that and five other boys. He had six foster boys. He called us the engrafted boys. He told us all the same thing. You just don't tell us that and think you're about to get away with it. So we started doing things to this man because of what he said. And we just thought it was another person that just saying they love us for no reason just to say stuff. So we did all these things to him. We even, I ain't going to share that. That's, that's a hard one. We, we even borrowed, somebody say borrowed. We even borrowed all the family cars, vehicles. Like all his biological kids, we took their cars, we took his car, we took mama's car, and well, we were just riding. We even borrowed the church, the church van. <laughs> the church van. And and what we was doing, the only reason we took the van, though, Pastor, this is this is on. I'm being honest right now. The only reason we took the van in Brownwood, Texas, 
they have this thing called the drag. Now, the drag is about eight blocks long. It's a long street. And, it's the, and Brownwood is like a college town. They have Harpine University there. And so, uh, and by the drag, it was the college. So you have a lot of college kids, and then you have a lot of high school kids that has this, these nice little cars, and they drive all the way down the block, and they turn around, they drive this back way, and they turn around, and they keep doing it over and over and over. You know, one block. And what they do is they wash their cars up real nice, and they turn their music up, and then they come down, and they drive back and forth showing their car off. One day, we want to go on the drag. All the boys. Somebody say, all the boys. We want to go on the drag. <laughs> so we didn't wash the van up. We we just jumped in the van, the church van. And we turned the music up all the way, and it wasn't gospel music. It wasn't church music. It was nothing holy coming out of that van. Nothing holy coming out of the van. And so what we, do, what we done is we got in the van, we drove all the way up, we drove all the way back down, all the way up, doing what everybody else was doing. And then back in the day, they used to have this thing called flipping the car, flipping the van. If y'all don't know what it is, that means like when you kind of swerving back and forth, you make the van or the cars dance to the beat of the music you listen to. If it's techno, it's dun 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 dun. If it's some slow, doom 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 doom, you know, it's back and forth. But we had rap on, so ours was that's how it was. Just being straight up with you, and all kind of cuss words coming out of the van. There ain't nothing holy about it. So we're driving back and forth. This, in the name of the the name of the church, is on the side of the van, along with his name, along with his phone number. And we trying to have fun. I think back, I, Diego, how can you be that stupid to do that? I never knew until I shared that story that he knew we was out swinging the van. He never said nothing to us. He said, Diego, I knew, I knew that. Everybody used to call me and say they seen the church van. They seen the Blake boys in the church van. Swinging it. Looking dumb. Just, yeah, what up? It's stupid. But he never got on to it. Like, why didn't he say nothing? And we didn't have no type of license. Y'all don't go tell nobody. This stays right here in this church, okay? <laughs> we didn't wreck it. We didn't do anything, okay? Well, we did wreck one of his cars. That's a different story. But anyways, man, we did everything we could to break him and break Mama Blake. We did everything we could to break him because they said that they loved us. And they was going to treat us like we was their biologicals. We even accidentally, somebody say accidentally. We even accidentally... Don't get scared. Don't let this scare you, okay? This, was, this one was an accident. Everything else was on purpose, okay? So we even accidentally, say accidentally again. Let me hear you with me. All right. Don't let it scare you again. We even accidentally burned this man's house down. I just said don't get scared. Y'all said, oh, get scared on me right now. It ain't as bad as you seem. Nah, it's bad. <laughs> it was bad. So we even accidentally burned this man's house down, down to the ground. I'm talking about it was gone. 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, the house is burning in flames. Everybody's trying to get out their house. All the boys get out of the house except one. Mark Roper, that was his name. Don't go Google that name. <laughs> I mean, no, no, all the boys out of the house. He thought all the boys out of the house except one because he was going back in to try to get Mark. But he go back in the house. And he was trying to go get somebody that wasn't his biological child because he didn't want the young man to get killed or die or anything. He was trying to go risk his life to save this young man. And you can just hear the wood. You can hear everything. The beams just falling. 
everything. But he came up out of there. His house was burnt. We was yelling, hey, everybody's at the house. Everybody out. You, there was no, I promise you guys, there was no way in. Everything was blocked. It was flamed up. I have no idea. I don't even remember if he walked through the fire or if he crawled. I, don't, I can't remember. It was, it was flamed up. So, um, yeah, so it was flamed up, guys. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. But he, came, he, but he came out of there. And when he came out, his hair was burned, his eyebrows was burned. He told us to go across the street to the church. And so we went across the street to the church. And so we went across the street to the church, the same church van that we borrowed. He got in that same church van that was no longer holy. And then he pulled around, to the, and he pulled around in front of the church, and he picked us up and took us to Walmart. He took us to Walmart 3 o'clock in the morning so we can make sure that we get some clothes to go to school the next day. We didn't want to go to school the next day because we didn't want to be embarrassed or anything. And we didn't want people to know that we was in foster care. We didn't want people to know anything that was going on at all. So some of us showed up to school. Some of us didn't. I showed up because I had a little girlfriend. I wanted to be there. So I, 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 I went to school. We didn't want people knowing that we was in foster care. We went to football practice that next day. We thought caseworkers was going to be there. Caseworkers didn't show up. We thought caseworkers going to be at school that whole day, but they never showed up. So we went home. When we got home, we thought caseworkers were going to be there to take us and separate us and move us to a different placement. Most of these boys have already been through 14 different foster homes, 10 different high schools, from home to home, traveling, going back and forth, have no forever family, nobody there for them. So we got home. He's at the table. Caseworkers not there. We go, we sit down at the table. He didn't ask us what happened, who did it, what was going on, how did this happen. He didn't ask us no question. He simply said, guys, look, I want to let you guys know. When you first came into my house, I told you guys that you guys are engrafted into my family. You guys are engrafted into my family. And there's nothing that you guys can do to separate my love from you guys. He said, I love you guys that much. He was not going to let that incident Stop him from loving us and changing our lives. Everybody up until that moment has neglected us. Everybody up until that moment has, has failed us, not loved us. That was the first time that we got to experience some real love. And it changed our lives. And he said that when we are grafted into his family, everything belongs to us. Now, grafted means that if you take a tree that's alive and you take a tree that's dead and you cut off everything that's dead with this tree, this tree represents life and fruit. This tree represents foster kids that has nothing feeding them. And you cut off everything from this tree and you take it and you plant it into this tree of life. Everything that feeds this tree, it now feeds that branch that was engrafted in, which is me. And that's what he was saying. He said, Diego, everything that flows through me, son, it flows through you. In the same way with the kingdom of God. That when we are grafted into the kingdom of God, everything that belongs to Jesus Christ, it now belongs to you and to me. No matter what we've done, no matter what we said, no matter how we did it, no matter how long we did it. God said, I will love you past everything you've been through. And that is our call, guys, to love children, to love orphans past what they've been through, past their hurt, past their pain. He said, Diego, you are engrafted in. I didn't understand what it meant. But when I started living that thing out for Jesus Christ, man, my life started to change. Me and my brothers, we used to wear our pants like way down here, like sag with big shirts covering over them, hats to the back, looking all kind of stupid and crazy. Looking like we boo-booed on ourselves. That's how we was. 
But when that man, <laughs> okay, y'all stop it. Y'all stop. Let me finish. I'm trying to finish. I'm trying to finish. <laughs> stop. So, um, so we, that's, how, that's, 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 that's just how he was. We want to do everything we could to honor this man and who he was. We hung on to every word that he said. If he said something was this way, we figured it was this way. We wanted to honor him with our lifestyle because the first time we got to experience love, and we looked at him and Mama Blake in a way different view. They was no longer these people that was hurting us and trying to take advantage of us. They was people that was trying to show us love and trying to help us out. Even though it was hard, but he had to do whatever it took to make sure that he changed our lives, that he stayed there for us. He didn't look at us for where we was and what we was doing, but he looked at us for where we was at and where we was going, where we was going to be at. It's not all peaches and cream when you take a kid in that you have no DNA with, no DNA ties to. He said we was engrafted, and I wrote a song titled Engrafted because I wanted to just honor him. The song kind of blew up. Guys, and it blessed me to be able to do the things that I'm doing. It blessed me to be able to have a family, feed the orphans, do things for the orphans. I've never been so blessed in my life. If it wasn't for that man, San Diego, I'm going to love you past everything you've been through. Man, that changed my life, guys. I can be one of those young men that's out there shooting up people, taking purses, in jail, dead. I can, I, that can be me. Pretty, pretty strong, too, so you're lucky it ain't me. Just think about what you can do with a decision to say, you know what? This has been on my heart to foster and to adopt. Man, if it's on your heart to foster and adopt, this, it's for you. You ain't got to think about it. Oh, I've been thinking about it. Stop thinking. Just do it. No, it's not for everybody. No, everybody can't handle it. But if it's been on your heart and God been doing something with you, man, you turn it like I was talking to Miss Angie, and she was like, even if you turn right and left, it's just everywhere. God, you know God calling you. You know God calling you. Stop thinking about it. Do something about it. Everybody can't foster. Everybody can't adopt. But everybody can do something. Everybody can do something, guys. If you want to change and be effective and change this world, I mean, you have to start caring for the orphans. You have to start caring for them. They're hurting. They need forever families. They need you to open up your heart, open up your house, make room at the table for somebody that's been hurt, abused, and neglected. Like Pastor said, what's mandated in the Bible is caring for the orphans. Everything else we do in church, almost not. Go read it. This is imitating the heart of Jesus Christ, guys. Imitating the heart of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you guys, if you think about fostering and adoption, stop thinking and just do it. But don't be radical and be like, I never thought about it, but I want to do it. I hope I scare some people away. And I hope some people say, you know what? Thank you, God, for confirmation. Thank you, guys.